super excited today um, to introduce Robert Scoble, Scobelizer, Rackspace. We're all familiar with him. You know, he worked for Microsoft. He's been in this industry for quite some time, reporting on all the good stuff in uh, Silicon Valley. He, you know, when he left Microsoft, you know, he told 15 people in a room, and that suddenly blossomed to 15 million in three days. I want him to tell that story. I don't want to tell it. I want him to tell that story. So let's give a warm welcome to Robert Scoble. Woo! Come on! Woo! All right. Thanks, Robert. All right. So I told 15 people at this conference, and um, I said, don't tell anybody till Monday because I haven't even told my boss yet. And somebody um, who I didn't even know at the time, Andy Plesser, um, was the one who leaked it. And the story just started doubling. This was in the early days of Twitter. Actually, was Twitter even around? Uh, it might have just been blocked. Uh, this was 2006. So it was early days of Twitter. And the story just kept doubling every few minutes. And I, you know, somebody called me at dinner and said, hey, it's out. <laughs> and then I just started doing searches. And I, oh, shit, it is out, and it's going. And uh, so I knew it was going viral. I called my boss right there on Saturday night and said, hey, I quit. <laughs> Before you read it on, on tech meme, you know. <laughs> and within three days, Wagner Edstrom said that it hit 15 million media impressions within three days. It was like in the Wall Street right, Journal and right, the Economist right. and everything else. But it, it just all spread word of mouth. And that's, that, that's a good example of how fast stuff can happen if you have somebody, something that people want to pass along. Right, right. Kind of like uh, your boss's reaction. Well, he knew it was coming because we right. we'd been having these discussions. I mean, my boss back then was Vic Gondotra, who now is at Google. And when I told him I'm quitting or I'm thinking of quitting, he he said, "Well, I have a five million dollar check from Google in my pocket," <laughs> <laughs> and I go, "You dog!" <laughs> so you know, um, right. that was his uh, signing bonus to get, move over to to Google, and uh, now he runs Google Plus and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what we want to talk about today. I, um, I, <laughs> well, I do have a few questions. Well, hold on to the question. Let me see if I can go down a path and see, because there were a few things I wanted to talk about. Sort of, uh, last night I had dinner with Sergey Brin, and he had these new glasses on, and that's fucking with my head about what the future is going to be. Right. Um, there's, how many people are on Highlight, for instance? A couple, yeah, three people. So um, Highlight and these Google Glasses, and uh, uh, there's an Israeli company called Face.com. So I study startups. I go around the world and right. interview startups and in, in, innovators. And I study them publicly with my video camera uh, so you know what they're doing. Right. But behind the scenes, I'm studying company builders. You know, the people who really interest me are uh, people who are building a, not just cool technology, because cool technology is fun. I, right. I, I, like, I grew up here in Silicon Valley, and I always like technology. But I, I'm really keying in on the, the guys who are building companies at this point. That there's something that separates them. When somebody right. says, I'm building a company, I, I, they're usually unique. They're, there's something different about them. And they, they have an approach like, I'm building something of value that, go, right. that should last or have some, you know, something deeper than right. just a cool technology that's going to get bought by Google and, and flipped. Um, and so I, you know, last a uh, couple of nights ago, I was hanging out with some of the fa famous VCs, and they were talking about IPOs, and they were talking about that too. Is right. going IPO means you built something of value, and you're planning on building something even of greater value, right. and you need the capital, and you need to have that transparency. 
to build a company, I, you know, and, and Rackspace has been through that recently, and now we've, we're seeing lots of examples of that. Um, so this highlight thing is really uh, is interesting. So th for people who don't know, highlight shows me um, other people who are on highlight within 100 yards of, of us. So like David Hassel, who's, is David here? Yeah, Brent, Brenton Geezer, right here in the in forest. You know, there's there's several people on, on here. Now it has five or six competitors. You know, and this is this is where I wanted to uh, set it off, and then we can get into questions. Sure. That I notice, you know, when there's a competitive space like this, that it's small philosophies that separate. Mm -hmm. You know, when GoWell and, and Foursquare were going at it, it was a very small philosophy that doomed GoWell. <laughs> and there's a lot of designers here. So I, I loved the, the design of GoWell. They had better icons. They had better user interface. Right. But they made a ph philosophical choice that doomed them. And it was a very subtle one. Anybody have any idea of what doomed GoWell? The, the game dynamics is really close. Oh, she said overly complicated game dynamics. Um, Gowalla thought that the game was sacrosanct, that it, the game was what people were going to use these apps for. And I couldn't check it, so I went to Buy Right uh, Ice Cream right. in San Francisco, really awesome small place, but it's 30 by 30, right? It's a small little store, and I couldn't check in there. And why couldn't I check in there? Because of, they had a philosophy that the game mattered more than anything else, and they wanted you to be where you said you were going to be, well, the problem is GPS isn't all that accurate. So it said buy right is 30 yards down the street. And it wouldn't let me check in in the restaurant, you know, or in the ice cream store. Right. And Foursquare, you know, if you talk to Dennis, he goes, the game ain't what Foursquare is about. Right. Foursquare is about improving cities and, right. and giving you data about where you are, right? And he let you check in anywhere. In fact, right. in the early days, it was so loose, you could check in around, you know, you could check in in Africa while sitting here in Campbell, <laughs> right? Because he, he's like, I don't care if you cheat in the game. I'm going to let you check in and get value out of that check-in, whatever it is. And that little philosophy just took the two companies into separate areas. So right now, I'm, I'm studying Highlight and Glancy and Banjo and Sonar right. and, and Kismet. There's about six or seven of these companies that are trying to figure out this new space of serendipitous people discovery and thing discovery around you. And... You know, there's some real subtle differences. If you talk to Paul Davison, who wrote um, Highlight, he, he has a slightly different philosophy than Andrea, who, who's the guy behind um, Glancy. And here's, here's a couple of examples. Um, Highlight, um, all these guys know that these apps are way over the freaky line. Right. Right? So... Most people, if you no, go up to them, the freaky line? well, most people when they <laughs> so we all know where the freaky line is. What, most people, if you go to my dad and you go, hey, this app will show you to other people, it's like that freaky, <laughs> right? And you know, and there is no privacy on this thing. You you get you know when when Jack walks by my door in Rackspace. I see it, you know, and I start chatting with him. Hey, Jack, what's up? <laughs> You're in my neighborhood now. <laughs> you know? And he's on, and so the people who are on this thing is crazy. Um, and, and so normal people, when they hear about this idea, and even ideas like Foursquare right. and stuff, 
they freak out. I mean, we saw this in the press where there was an uh, uh, app called uh, Find Girls Near You, something like that, you know, <laughs> uh, which is just using Foursquare public data to show, you know, who the girls are in your city who are checking in around you. And it's like, they, so Foursquare shut it down because there was this PR backlash because everybody's in this industry is sensitive that there's a freaky line and most of these apps are over the freaky line. So um, highlight is like, fuck the freaky line. <laughs> and here, here's an example, right? Here's an example. They put a map on every on everybody, right? Right. So in other words, I know this app is so far over the pre-con, let's just push it all the way, you know? And, and you opted in. First of all, you have to hook up your Facebook just to get on the app. So that's over the freaky line. And a lot of people are pissed off about that. You have to be on an iPhone. That pisses off all the Android people. Um, <laughs> it'll be on Android within three months anyways because it's just so obvious. Um, but he puts maps on every check-in. The Glancy guy's right. like, I want to make it so that normal people feel not freaked out about this. Where, right. where uh, Highlight guy's like, I know everybody's going to be freaked out about this app, so I'm just going to take you as far as I, I can <laughs> over that line. <laughs> and, and it's a better user experience. You know, being able to look back through your feed and see where we cross paths is really cool. Right. But when, if you get over that freaky line, you know. And um, I think this is part of entrepreneurship, is getting people to do something that they didn't know that they wanted to do. You know, I mean, I, you know, talking to Waz, you know, who started Apple, um, he said, I kept asking Atari and HP to build my computer. I didn't want to leave HP. He, he, he's very consistent about that. He goes, I just wanted to be an engineer and work at HP. It was a great company. Right. I never wanted to leave there. And he, nobody would believe in him. Nobody right. thought that the personal computer was going to be a trillion-dollar industry and that everybody was, because back then, that was the freaky line. Right. That was like, there's 200 freaks in Stanford meeting every, every month you know, right. at the Homebrew Computer Society. Right. And the rest of us are like, what? We don't get that. You know? right. And now Highlight is that new thing that is pushing it. So some other things. He only shows you people within 100 yards. Banjo and Sonar try to show you, and Glancy show you up to 10 miles away. Um, because they know that there's a chicken and egg problem here. If there's nobody on the system, it's boring. Right. If there's people on the system, it's really cool. Like right, right here, there's five people. And next year, there'll be 100 people on an app right. like this. It gets more and more utility as more and more right. people join it. But you know, Glancy made a choice. We're going to show you more people because we want you to, to have some utility. If, if you come to Half Moon Bay, by the way, there's three people on Highlight in the entire city. So, <laughs> yeah. and, um, so there's not much utility in a normal place, right? You right. go to Kansas, ain't nobody on Highlight. You know? <laughs> That's changing, but it, right. it, because I actually had a friend who went to Indonesia, and he said, man, there was people on Highlight, and it's like, that blew me away. He said, now I know that this thing's going to go, right. but it's slow. You know, it, it, doubling right. effects take a long time to kick in. Is there um, something that started out slowly like that that's ubiquitous that we use today as an example? Well, Twitter was a great example that, you know, I remember Twitter took six months to get to 13,000 users. Today, you know, in today's right. world, if you don't hit 13,000 users in the first day, you're done. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> it's that fast nowadays, right? right? I mean, there's companies that hit, 
you know, a million users in the first week. You know, it's just crazy how fast and how that changes our expectations. I was talking to Alexia, Alexia at, at TechCrunch. She, she goes, if you pitch me on adoption and you try to brag that you have 30,000 users, I, I laugh at you. <laughs> because, you know, the, an adoption story, and this gets into storytelling to yeah. press people, it, you know, you have to understand where the press person, and where right. the line, the bar is, right. and the bar keeps going up and up and up, you know. Right. If you can say, I have a million users in the first week, now they'll, they'll listen to you. But in 2006, it took Twitter six months to get to 13,000 right. people, because I, I joined right. it in late October, and it came out in March, right? right. And I was 13,500 user, right? right? Um, so... Uh, so that was that was a, a, another example of how these things slowly um, build and double. Right. Uh, this is why I, I, I when, when Nokia would come and and Rim is doing this to me right, right now, saying, "Well, we have a hundred million users," right. you know, I go, "It doesn't matter. If that mattered, we all be using Nokia phones." You right. know, market right. share does not matter in this world. It's right. doubling effects. Are right. you doubling faster than your competitor? And if right. you are doubling slower, they're going to catch you eventually, and they're going to pass right. you by. That's why we all knew MySpace was doomed long before Facebook even got right. close to passing them, because we could see the doubling effect. Right. We saw that the numbers were doubling at end rate, and MySpace right. was flat. And we said, that dooms MySpace until they change that. Why, why are we writing Yahoo off? Because right. they haven't changed the doubling effect. It, it's like, right. you know... And we know everybody else is doing right. this, you know? Right. Um, so I don't know where that's going. <laughs> I want to ask a follow-up question, but I want to segue into some other stuff. Um, you know, how do, you know, a lot of these apps and startups, how do they get to that doubling effect? That's a tough question. If I know, knew how to do that, I would, um, <laughs> I would start a company. <laughs> and, so, and a lot of people confuse the two. Uh, right. A visionary is somebody who creates doubling pennies. Right. I'm just a guy who counts oh, that penny is doubling, and I want to hit. I want to notice that something's doubling by the fifth right. day. If I can do that, I beat almost everybody. Now with Highlight, I was very lucky. I was at the first party where he launched the product. Right. The first party, and I saw the virality <laughs> coefficient of this thing was three. He told one person at one side, and he just let it go. And they, they, each person told three other people right. about the app. And I was watching this, and people were going, you got to get on this app. It's so cool. Look at it, what it does. You know, and this was like when there was 30 people on this app. Right. You know, there was nobody on it. Right. And it caused that kind of virality coefficient. And so I said, I, I took a picture of him. I said, because he asked me to keep it quiet. Right. And I said, I, watch this guy. This guy is on fire. And sure enough, you know, I, at South by, it took it, it accelerated through. I right. collected 600 people at South by, who were incredible people. I had lunch or breakfast with the head of Al Jazeera because of Highlight. Right. Uh, just crazy people on Highlight, um, and so that's what I do. I right. just sit back and watch the doubling effect. And sometimes right. I'm late. You know, sometimes I get fooled by my own biases. Like I knew Pinterest right. was doubling, but it was like all women. So I just said. Man. <laughs> I'll let I'll let somebody else cover that. Yeah, it's true. I'll let somebody else cover that one, and uh, yeah, I'll let the mommy bloggers go nuts. It's not, for, you know. But uh, that, that kind of gets me to to kind of some of the questions that I wanted to ask. You know, we we wrote a guest post uh, for Mashable entitled "How Startups Can Build Lasting Relationships uh, with Journalists," where we talked about dating a reporter before pitching an idea. 
you know, what is it that captures your eye? What do you look for when a startup pitches to you? And, and what are some of the mistakes startups make when pitching their ideas? You know, I, I, I wish I knew. I, I put up a video today with uh, this app called Karma. Right. And when I saw the email, I was like, that's the lamest thing I've ever heard of. Why, why do I need a mobile app to help buy gifts for people? You know, but, um, you know, they were funded by Kleiner Perkins. So, there, so, some, so part of this is building a story. Right. And it's not just one person that's going to build that story. It's going to be a, a whole flood of things that builds that story. You know, and... Um, Sometimes I get lucky, like with with highlight. That ha happens very rarely when I just see something in the wild, go, right. you know, and it's doubling, and I am the first one to see that. Um, most of the time, uh, you, there's all sorts of social proofs, right. you know. So this is why VCs say I only want to hear about things from my friends, you know. And I, in fact, take it out of the tech industry. I I talk, I spent some time last last summer with uh, Steve Greenberg who d is a music producer and discovered Jonas Brothers and right. was the dog on Who Let the Dog Out. Uh, you know, he's the wolf sound on it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I said, I said, I asked him, you know, do you ever find a band just by going into a bar and seeing somebody totally undiscovered and, and right. just randomly finding something? Or do you ever get sent a CD out of the blue and it, it's great? And he said, no. In my entire career, that's never, ever happened. Right. When I, he said that at one point in his career, he was trying to encourage people to just randomly send him stuff. Right. Didn't work. It never was a good talent that came through that way. He said, if you're, if you're Adele and you're in a bar, somebody is talking about that. Right. And, you're, and he's going to hear about it within a day because his network is so good. And, so, and that's what Silicon Valley is. It's right. like if you're Adele, if you have something that, that's brilliant, that's cool or that's that's like that highlight that's going through a party, other people are going to talk about it and it's going to show up. This is why I watched so many people on Twitter and, and talk at talks like this because it's the network that's so strong. Right. And um, and that's a hard thing to fight, you know. So right. it, don't don't fight it, you know. Use the network. This is why you go to parties. This is why you... Go to demos. Why you buy conference tables? Why you you know why you do so many VC pitches? Right. Because you're feeding that network with a story, and you're building a story. You're not just going to have one thing. You're not just going to get on TechCrunch and all of a sudden have a great company. You have right. to take a the, the companies I really like that, like Flipboard or Instagram or um, they build stories. They, you know or eBay. You know eBay right. made up a myth about how it was formed, right? <laughs> you know, which was Pez, it was, you know, the myth was it was for selling Pez dispensers. That's what the CEO was pushing as, as his, it wasn't true. But it made a good story and he, he was building a company and he was trying to build a marketplace and he had, a, had to have a way that everybody understood what it did. Um, Airbnb is another example. It took a thousand days before that business started working and, and um, you know, imagine if they had given up on 999 day, uh, 999th right. day. This is why you, you know, entrepreneurs have to be crazy and have to be. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? It's like walking through the desert for 999 days. Yeah. You know, and eating cereal that you did as a marketing campaign, right. and right. and living poor and living in a in a one bedroom right. apartment and working it. And then just, and you just keep trying it, keep trying it. And they joined Y Combinator and Paul Graham said, get the fuck out of the valley, go meet some real customers. And that's what right. they did. 
And then they started tweaking the engine, and the engine started working. And it, right. But it took that thousand days, you know, it, of doing that to, right. to get there. And it, if if you don't have that kind of passion, don't start a company because you're going to quit on 990 days, and you're going to miss the good stuff. The good stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be crazy and committed to this thing. So you're just going to do it. I mean, I have a friend who who runs uh, Active Words, and he, it's not kicking over, and he's been doing it for 10 years, and he's still right. that committed. And it's like, dude, give it up. And he's not giving it up. It's like, you're an entrepreneur, and nobody hears about you because you right. haven't been the success. But that's what it takes. It, you know, right. maybe next year he gets a contract from Microsoft, and everybody understands what he was doing. But it takes the, that kind of wild-eyed commitment. And that, that's why I've never started a company, because I've never <laughs> said, I, I can't do that. Man. I got a family. You said you're not that crazy? I got a family and a mortgage, and I keep looking at that cliff. And you know, starting a company is like jumping off a cliff and then, and then building the parachute on the way down and just <laughs> assuming, assuming you're going to figure it all out while you're falling. And it's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> and I. I, I love people like that because they're fun to watch, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not me. And you're in a room full of them right now. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. This is my, this is my career. Yeah, this is my career, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, Mark, I saw Mark Pincus last night, too, and, it, you know, he tells his story. He got fired from every cool company in the world, and he couldn't do it. Right. So he had to do it, right? He had to make his own company work. Otherwise, he would get fired. And he probably will get fired from that one, too, eventually, you know? <laughs> that brings us to another point is, is that you know, these companies that are building these stories, you know, they're trying to get people's attention. What is it? that you look for uh, when you get an email from like a marketer or a PR spokesman? I mean, how do you filter that? How do you choose what to, ca what catches your eye? I, I don't know. You know, I try to take random pitches. The Get Karma, the Karma one right. was, uh, this the sounds interesting and I forget how it was pitched to me. But Flipboard was pitched to me just, I, I put it on my out of office message even. It's just, um, you know, we stood in line with you at the iPad launch, and we know you care about the iPad, and we th have something that, that you think we think you should see that right. would be cool for the iPad. That was the pitch. I was like, well, I can't really turn that down. <laughs> and I had no idea that who they were. I mean, I, I had no idea. I interviewed Mike McHugh, and I had Mike McHugh, and I had no idea that he had started an $800 million company and sold it to Microsoft. I had no idea. I, sometimes I take things just randomly and so some of it's winning a lottery this is why you have to be right. so committed because you're going to hear no so many times or you're not going to get an answer for somebody like that just keep pushing the story until people right. start listening and make your own story I, you know if nobody will listen make you know who cares it's customers that matter anyways right. it's not us right. go find some <laughs> go f you know there's plenty of examples of successful companies that have never had press you know, a Groupon, you know, said they want they didn't want to be in the Silicon Valley press because they didn't want to be copied by Silicon Valley. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and maybe that was uh, a little mythology. Maybe the, the the reality was that he couldn't actually get listened to by any of the press, and now right. so now he turned it around to a positive. But <laughs> and he's in Chicago, and and you know he's not part of the network here. But um, that's the way to do it. As you know, if I was starting a company, I, I would 
be doing a blog. I would do my own videos. Right. I would be out talking to customers, trying to push the story along, push the business along until it starts kicking off. And usually if you do that and you have a product that other people are willing to tell other mm -hmm. people about, the doubling effect eventually kicks in and then TechCrunch starts paying attention to you. Um, because they, you know, we're all good at counting doubling effect at some right. level. It's, uh, you know, I mean, why did Skrillex in, in the music t take off? Why did I discover Skrillex before a lot of my friends? Because I went to the Austin City Limits Music Festival. You have six bands out on the field all at one time. And I was there for two days. And Skrillex was the only one that, or he was a, he's a DJ, was the only one that had 10,000 people jumping up and down. Right. And if you do that with your product, it doesn't matter. You know, the press will pay attention to you. The, right. the VCs will start paying attention to you because we're all good at seeing, at sitting on the field and seeing, you know, which company has 10,000 people jumping up and down right. going, yeah, this is cool. Right. You know. So the new world, it starts with 15 people. This is where right. you know, the Microsoft story, my Microsoft story is, you know, if you can get 15 people crazy about your product, you can take off overnight, right? Because right. people will keep passing it along and go, hey, check this out. This is cool. I, you got to have this on your phone. And eventually the world pays attention to that. You know, um, that's where it's all about. And it's hard to find that. <laughs> it's hard to get to that point that you can right. get even 15 people to be crazy right. about your product and go, man, this, this thing is rocking. You know, speaking right. about building, building uh, their, these companies, their stories, you know, uh, you've spoken many times on the power of companies to, to personalize their stories. You took a video camera, turned it in on uh, Microsoft employees, humanizing what had been seen as an evil monopoly. I mean, how do companies use these platforms like blogging and, and, and such to actually communicate and personalize their own stories? Big, big companies have a, a marketing challenge, and that is to appear small. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tapped into there. By using a $200 camera and blogs and uh, non-PR controlled conversations. I, mean, I, I, I was one of the five guys who started Channel 9 at Microsoft, and we broke all sorts of rules. We, we did. We um, didn't have a Microsoft logo on the homepage, right? Yeah. Uh, that that right there is a fireable offense. Uh, we did. We didn't use the Microsoft color scheme. We used orange instead of white, right. you know, and made it look different. We put uh, customers right on the homepage, and we right. we let customers write whatever they wanted to. They could say Microsoft sucks, Linux rocks, right on the homepage, and that was not not done. And then you know, my part of it was taking around a two hundred dollar video camera and interviewing people with a shaky, blurry video camera. And most corporate PR the machinery would never let that happen because it, it doesn't represent the company as a slick, big company you know, with right. really nicely produced video. I mean, Microsoft had a $10 million studio for video, right? They, that's, that's what the, the expertise was at, and still is at most right. big companies is like, oh, you go into the studio and you have your messaging and you get in front of the lights and we'll edit it and make sure it looks perfect and everything. Right. But it's cold right. when you do that. It's what? It's boring. It's boring, right? And, and the world had shifted to this YouTube thing where I, anybody could put up a little blurry video, but if the content was interesting, and I knew it was interesting to me because I had lunch with people who were like showing me mind-blowing things. Right. You know, the, the guy who um, 
started what now is Silverlight, you know, was showing me the prototypes, and it's like, why can't I just put this lunch conversation out on the web? This is cool, you know, and, and I know other people like me are going to find it cool, and now it, it's more accepted, you know, that that right. people that companies will do that, but back then it was pretty uh, uh, mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's tough. So anyway, so big companies have to appear small. Small right. companies have to appear big, and that. <laughs> Right. If you're two guys, if you're two guys at a table like Highlight is right now, you don't want people to know that you're two light guys at a table. You want to appear like we have our shit together, and we, you know, we have all the marketing and all the, you know, you know, we're we're happening because that's how you recruit people, right? People don't want to work for for guys who don't have their shit together. They they, they want to work for something that's happening and has momentum and everybody's talking about and. You know, appears really big, and right. and it's hard to make that happen when you're a small company. Right. This is why you hire Zerb, right, to do your exactly. to do your design. Hire Zerb. Talk to us afterwards. But it, <laughs> why do you do that, right? To have a great design so that your design's uh, better than the competition, right? right? Why do you do great PR? You know, hire a great PR person because they'll get you into the right conversations to to cause your company to appear big. Uh, why do you go to South by Southwest and buy a huge booth and hire people to man that booth to appear big, you know? Because right. if you have the biggest booth at South by Southwest, even if you're just two guys at, at Dogpatch Labs, the world thinks you're big, and therefore they take you seriously, and they uh, uh, think, oh, that company is the, the company that's hot. Right. You know? Right. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left. I want to open it up to audience questions. So who wants to go first? Uh, the question was, if you were doing uh, business exposure or consumer exposure, how would you go about uh, doing PR for it? Hmm. Business. So, um, well, I mean, I, you know, you talked to David Sachs at Yammer, and he said, I'm just going to change the way that the business happens. I'm going um, to go in the back door. You know, because he knew he couldn't talk every CTO in the world to to adopt Twitter for the enterprise, which is what uh, um, Yammer is, right? He started Yammer, and so he said, "Well, I, I'm not going to have very much success at going in the front door and going to the CEO or the CTO or the CIO and saying, hey, you should adopt this new social thing. It looks like Twitter, and all your employees are going to be more collaborative. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Get out of my office, you know. Things don't happen that way, right? But you talk right. the, the employee on the line, hey, you're already on Twitter. You know, try this Yammer thing out at work and get your three friends onto it. And, wow, at Rackspace, it, it went from, you know, three people to more than 1,000 of our employees in a couple of weeks because right. he built a viral distribution system, right. right, which was basically word of mouth again, this word of mouth thing. So that's one thing is change the rules. Don't, don't assume that you have to do business as a business to B2B, right? Um, now, if I was Boeing selling planes, they have a blog, they have video, they invite bloggers up to Boeing to see the new planes. Why do they do that? There's only 15 people in the world that buy these planes, right? You know? Why did? Because they have the same thing that anybody has, which is you know get the message out that these planes are the cool ones that that the customers want Wi-Fi on the plane so that they get another million dollars out of a plane or whatever you know, and 
that they want the more comfortable seat, so they buy the 787 instead of going to Airbus and buying a piece of shit from France, right? You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, you know, business is people, and it's, it's whether it's Red Bull or Boeing planes or some plumbing supply company, I, I look at it the same way. Right. We're now changing how we find businesses to deal with. We're walking around with these phones. So what does that mean for business? You know, right. I'm going to search for plumbing supply here if I'm a plumber. Right. And if you're not here, if you're not appearing here, right. and why don't you appear here? Because you're hoarding information? You know, did you put up a video that gets that, get, right. that gets into Google search? Did you get Facebook? Right. Did you get all your plumber friends on Facebook to like your page so that you start showing up on searches when people right. start doing plumbing? You know, because right. Facebook's becoming how we satisfy intent on a lot of things, right? right? Are you doing? Are you thinking about LinkedIn and how people are going to find your business? Because that's where that's where I get all, a lot of business questions about Rackspace. Right. You know, so are you building a network there of other plumbers? Are you sharing information right. with them? Are you building a club there, a group? Uh, you know, are you getting people over to talk about plumbing? Are you doing right. meetings? Like, why does Zerb do this? Because, right. you know, you guys are on top of the world. Right. You understand? <laughs> yeah, we are on top of the world. <laughs> well, you understand that you get people to talk about you right. and into the network. Now when somebody needs a design consultancy, they right. ask, the network, well, who's the coolest design consultancy? Well, I don't know if Zerb is really the good one, but they keep having these cool well, lunch we are meetings. The good one. <laughs> well, no. But, but on Facebook, somebody asked me, I don't know. You know, I really don't know if your work is right. good or not. Right. But they, they have these cool lunch meetings that are packed, and people are sitting on the floor, and, and, you know, and there's something going on there, so you should at least consider them. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I will say, by the way, their work is very good. Yeah. I figured it is. I'm not a customer. I've seen work they've done. Yeah. So, so really quick, um, you know, so question I'll flip basically both ways. You're exposed to tons of applications. Right? Yeah. Every week you're using new stuff or trying new stuff. What tools do you wish you had that you don't have right now? Number oh. one. Number two, Never. Your dream, your dream app Never. One. Never ask a customer what they want. Right? No. Never. One. Did you not learn anything from Steve Jobs? Yeah. <laughs> and number two, you see a lot of company founders yeah. with their various reality distortion fields and their craziness. And what do you think they can most use that they don't have right now? The. Uh, so I, I keep asking that question of, of VCs and people in the press, and the very consistent answer is um, understanding customers, getting closer to customers, get close. You know, Paul Graham at, did this with the Airbnb guys. Go and meet the customers. Go and talk with them. Go study them. I think that's what Steve Jobs really did um, was that he understood what, what, how people reacted to things, and he had an innate sense about that. But he never listened to a customer when they said, I want a feature or I want this. You know, Henry Ford would say, if I asked everybody what they wanted, they would say a better bug, horse and carriage, you know, a better, a better ho horse and a better, a better uh, carriage. You could have any Ford you want as long as it was white. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so you need to understand what people really want, which is better transportation, and then d design that. You know, the reason I've spent eight hours with a guy who is doing Highlight is he's – 
he's seeing something. And he, he's studying the problem in a deep way. And, he's, and, and by talking to people, he's understanding a new world. You know, why is Sergei wearing those glasses? And why did he put the video out so that everybody would know what those glasses do? Because he wants to have conversations with people about what these could do. And then he'll build that, you know, build something for, for the future. Um, but if you ask me what, what feature do I need in these new glasses, I, I, I could give you some vague answers, but they would probably be bullshit. There's no yeah, I find me some way to not answer email. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and this is, and this is the, this is the problem, right? Any, any, well, you know, any way you deal with that and take me out of the equation, it's never ever going to work because I'm the one who has the pattern, and I know I, I have this innate sense that you know of what I want to do tomorrow. And if you take that control away from me, I'll hate it. And so customers will never, people will never tell you what they really want. You sort of have to sit with me for a couple of days and watch what I do and then see, oh, can we build systems that will augment what you do? And, and that's the hard part of building a company, building anything. It's, um, you know, did Steve, Job, uh, Steve Woz, did Woz or Jobs really know what people wanted in a personal computer? No, they sort of built it for themselves at, at first, and then it, you know, then it got into 200 other people's hands, and they used it, and they get get feedback like, hey, man, this isn't working right, or why don't you have a better monitor on this thing, or why don't you have a better case, or it, it, my mom thinks it looks ugly, you know, that kind of, that kind of feedback, and then they would take that back, and then the next version, they would fix that. And then it grew to 1,000 users, and then it grew to 100,000 users, and a million users, you know, but it was that early work that I don't know that they ever went up to somebody and said, what do you want in a personal computer? That, nobody knew. You know, what do we want in Google Glasses? I, don't, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, can, <laughs> I can dream about some things, and most of those dreams are informed by what's happening in the world. Like, there's an Israeli company called Face.com where you can aim your iPhone, and it shows me your, your name and your Facebook page on my iPhone through face detection. So I, my dream is being influenced by things I've already seen. So, yeah, I want that face detection in these glasses. You know, Highlight has... And Glancy have informed, I want to know things about people who are nearby me, right? And so I want to look at you with this face detection and know things about you and, and be able to have a conversation. Here's a good example, right? I was at Davos, and I was talking to this, this guy, and he had a badge on it. It said, Peter Pyatt, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's all I knew about him. And I knew after talking with him for a minute that he had a, a very high IQ because you can tell when people are like lit up upstairs, Right. And <laughs> you can tell that, right? I mean, you know, you can tell this guy is like really extraordinary human being. But I, I, and and that's the social proof of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bill, you know, Bill Gates doesn't hire idiots, right? You know, he's on top of the world. He has enough money to hire whoever he wants. So he's hiring good people, and so it all. Right was messing with my head, but I couldn't figure out by talking to this guy for a minute who the fuck he was, right? <laughs> and so, I, sure enough, I get away from him, and I Google him, and he, 
he discovered the Ebola virus. Now, if I had known that while talking to him, our conversation would have been dramatically different, and I would have had a much better story to tell you. <laughs> but, but that's what I want in these glasses, is to be able to instantly tell what, who you are so that we don't have to go back and forth for 20 minutes trying to figure out what makes you cool, you know? <laughs> Apparently, taking you out to dinner and asking. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's hard to do, actually. You know, it's it, what makes you cool. <laughs> <laughs> time for one more question. I'll let Robert pick the person. I, I, I saw him. So, so the question is, um, you know, if you were to encounter someone at an event, how do you discover things about them, even though you're kind of directed by the the setting or the situation you're in to kind of have this particular conversation? Yeah, but you know, it. It was like one of my job interviews at, at NEC. They had all my blogs printed out and highlighted. And that was the most inter interesting interview I'd ever had because we got right to the meat. We, we didn't waste time you know, doing chit-chat, trying to figure out who you are and what you stood for and what you cared about and who you, what talents you have. They already knew that. And now we got right to the meat of what you were going to do. And, it was, and, and that's what I would... I, if I was out to dinner with you, I'd love to just go right to the meat of the conversation rather than have to figure out, so what do you do, and who do you know, and you know, fuck all that. And give me that. That's on Google and Facebook. Now we can have a really interesting conversation about what you are passionate about or what I'm passionate about, and we'll, we'll have a much better conversation. You know? Plus, I'll know what kind of wine to bring, if you like wine, if you're, if you're uh, you know, in, if you're, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, maybe I won't bring wine, you know. And, and it's better to know that up front so I can make the experience really magical for you, you know. This is, um, you know, this is what Zuckerberg's doing so well. I, I, you know, he's building a new, a new media company where the media comes to you. And, yeah, he's freaking everybody out because they don't understand what he's doing. But what he's doing is building a, a company where he's bringing you media because he knows who you are. <laughs> and the freak out is he's forcing you or asking you to give information about your sexual persuasion, your relationships, <laughs> your politics, your, your religion, your sports teams. I mean, the more he knows about you, the better he is at bringing media to you. Right. You know, the better a highlight is at getting over that freaky right. line, the more utility you'll have. And so that's why uh, it's interesting that these, that these guys are pushing the freaky line so far because they understand there's utility right. if they get the users to go there. Right. And, uh, and it, when you talk to Paul at Highlight, he knows this. He goes, man, I have so much data on you that if I misuse it in any way, my company will disappear overnight. <laughs> this thing is studying me and my ant trails to life, right? Right. It's reporting right now where I am to a server and, and storing that data. He has all the data from when I first logged onto the system, and I can scroll through it right. and look at it, right? right? I know everybody I have come into contact with on this thing, and this is just the beginning because he knows where I sleep, where I work. <laughs> He knows my favorite design consultancy already, right? Right. Sure. Sure. He knows if I go to church. He knows what. He knows what gas station I stop at every three weeks with my Prius, right? 
Right. Now, he doesn't really know anything about that because he doesn't have an overlay of the, the place. He doesn't know about right. places yet. But his databases have that information right. that I stopped at this gas station for 15 minutes right. you know, at this location. And soon, he's going to be able to place that together. Now, this stuff is way over the freaky line. And his job is to uh, bring us utility without freaking right. us out. Because the minute we freak, get freaked out, we delete this out. And his company's gone. Right. Very good. Well, on that note, I know, uh, Robert, you, you got to hop on a call here. Yeah. One at under the dot. So I want to get everyone just give a round of applause to Robert. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I had so much fun. Thank you. So it was really cool. Thanks.